that's not my storyline. Yes. No, just... Yes, because it doesn't fit the story that I want to write. Yeah, their Chinese coverage has some problem like that. Welcome to Mosaic of China, a podcast about people who are making their mark in China. I'm your host, Oscar Fuchs. So, from the frivolous topic of shopping in the last compilation episode, this week we turn to the more serious topic of the news. Today's episode features all thirty guests from season one and their answers to the question: What is your favorite source of information in or about China? Because of this topic, I would say that today's is perhaps the most dry of all these compilation episodes. But that's not to say that it's not interesting, particularly if you're looking to diversify the news that you're currently reading. And be sure to listen out, in particular, to the answers given by the journalist and the broadcaster, since theirs are unsurprisingly the most nuanced. Sebastian Denez, the inclusion advocate from episode eleven. Ah,、uh, funny enough, I, I I read the China Daily. I like to read those newspaper,、uh, not so much for their impartial view,、uh, but、I'll, I like to read it to see a little bit the the narrative. To grasp a glimpse of where the country is going,、uh, what is the、um, official thinking of it, and I do what not so many people do now: the, I cross references. Right, right. I agree with you. Like nowadays, unless you're reading five different sources, then actually you don't really know the full picture. Exactly. Stefan Demonco, the events company CEO, from episode nineteen. Um, so I've heard of that guy、um, Oscar who's putting together a series of podcasts and、um, go and check him out. I think the other one would be the South、uh, China Morning Post.、Um, so great newspaper、uh, coming out of Hong Kong, and、um, I think they have a very interesting take on things, and they're obviously very close to the action. So that's、uh, something that I check on a daily basis. Great. And for somebody who used to live in Hong Kong, I appreciate that choice. I do not appreciate you saying that I am a source of information. Now I've got expectations to fill. You see, Okto Chung, the fashion designer from episode thirty. SCMP, South China Morning Post in Hong Kong.、Mm. But also, I would like to investigate the difference between media, which is not in the same place. Yeah. Right. Eric Olander, the journalist from episode three. The thing that I read every day、uh, without missing it, and it's a long, meaty read, is the Sinocism newsletter by Bill Bishop. And anybody who's interested in China, particularly China-U.S., this is not optional. So he's doing basically the same thing that I'm doing, which is you know filtering through, providing some perspective, staying in that middle ground space. Um, I'll also put out、uh, Jeremy Goldcorn and Kaiser Guo with the Sinica podcast and Sub China. Those guys are doing the same thing. They're in all part of the same culture. We're all part of the same generation that was spent a lot of time here in the '90s. Have some perspective on China. The thing that I really want to caution people is that there's a lot of haters on Twitter and things like that. I really think that when you consume information about China, it's increasingly important now to consider. Do the people that you are reading and following speak Chinese? And I, get, I use the same standard. Could a Chinese person come to the United States and not speak a word of English, not read the New York Times, not understand anything that Trump is saying in his own language, and say that he really understands us? Impossible. And I think the same applies to China watchers outside looking in. 
If you cannot speak Chinese at a level sufficient to be able to understand what Xi Jinping is saying in a speech, even 80% of it, I just don't take you that credibly. I know that's a snooty line for a lot of people, but again, this, we apply the same standard to us that you can't understand us if you don't speak our language. And there is no way you could understand American culture without speaking English. Noah Sheldon, the documentary filmmaker from episode nine. I find people like Bill Bishop, um, the, the old cynicism blog, I find them pretty, pretty amazing. A book I want to reference that I'm obsessed with is called The Corpse Walker mm. by Lao Iwu. And that's an amazing book. He kind of is the stud circle of China. Nick Yu, the playwright from episode 13. I think that's a point of chat. Just the news that your friends share on WeChat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? A lot of people just get their news from WeChat. WeChat, they can find everything, <laughs> anything. Right. Astrid Pokosian, the violinist from episode four. To be honest, I think um, mainly what I do, I rely on my Peng Yu Quan. I, I rely on my WeChat moment because I have a variety mosaic of friends <laughs> coming from different parts of the world and they share their own country's news. Chinese people share the local what's happening. So it's like, I think it's a bouquet of all four kinds of news. So I rely on my Peng Yu Quan for news. Yael Frajun, the historical researcher from episode 12. Mostly my WeChat, to be honest. Mm. Um, so the WeChat feed articles, I'm following quite a lot of official accounts and we have different groups of people sharing uh, different sectors like industry sectors or segments of, you know, economy uh, type of articles. Very, very interesting and the most, the easiest, the most uh, useful and relevant, I would say, because... Um, it's just, again, it's just easy. Nini Sum, the artist from episode 16. Um, before there were a lot of art magazines, like Art and uh, Art World or something, then you can see the dated exhibitions. But now it's more like um, people are sharing their information in their moments and WeChat mainly, yeah. Maple Zuo, the comedian from episode 2. WeChat? <laughs> Really? That's my only thing I'm using right now. Right. Srinivas Yanamandra, the compliance leader from episode 15. So basically, if you have WeChat, you have broadly everything. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, mostly I think I'm a little weak in terms of tracking uh, the local news. But uh, uh, things of my interest, you will always have uh, WeChat groups. Uh, you have got the uh, different groups of communities as such. So I think uh, the messages get uh, floating around. Emily Madge, the aquarium conservationist from episode 14. Probably Smart Shanghai. Mm. Smart Shanghai and WeChat, my two, and Taobao. <laughs> <laughs> yep. These are my three China apps that I go to. Sanford Brown, the biochemist from episode 29. I'm a huge fan for years of WeChat. So uh, as the one-stop shop, it's fantastic to be able to, to go there. Uh, then... Um, uh, more for work-related use. I guess now it's called TikTok. Uh, that's really uh, interesting media. We see it, for example, in uh, our business in makeup. These girls didn't know how to use makeup. They couldn't go to their mother. Now the amount of tutorials to be able to do that, to see how to apply eyeshadow, things like this is uh, really quite different. 
And then for English language, uh, I guess it's called Shine Now, Shanghai Daily. Abe Deo, the tour manager from episode 27. Well, being in the music industry, I rely a lot on uh, music platforms. So QQ Music is good, NetEase, uh, Dolban on occasion. Those are probably the ones I look at the most. Ross Coleman, the theatre producer from episode 22. Yes, such a good question. I really love Radii. You know those guys? It's sort of giving you like the full circle perspective on loads of Chinese culture. And so it's where I um, read a huge amount about Chinese hip hop in particular, but loads of Chinese music, a lot of Chinese metal acts as well. And where I hear about like phenomenons that are happening in the internet on Weibo, like what's going to be, um, you know, next big thing and what everybody's talking about and what everybody's response is to this and that. Yeah, it's always written with a real um, style and wit and humour. Laurie Lee, the private club GM from episode 10. My, my personal way is go abroad often if you have this uh, ability. The other way is we have very good uh, documentary movie or short movie about uh, the Chinese society. So that's my another way to know uh, to know China. Gina Lee, the invention company CEO from episode six. One is called Thirty uh, Six Curve. It's like a a technology app that they build content for specifically like people working in the high tech industry. Another one called De Dao. It's like a podcast, but it's more like a reading book. So all the people who has program on that has very famous book that telling people of certain like philosophy of working or different type of knowledge, and they just like record it by reading it. So for me, sometimes is when I bike to work, I listen to it. And then, like certain part, because they have actually a PDF referred to that, I can just mark out as note. So that's the two things I generally do as information resource. Simon Manetti, the business leader from episode seventeen. Ah,、uh, yeah,、uh, China Tech Talk, China Tech Investor. Those guys are awesome. Tech Note, you're awesome. Greg Nance, the ultramarathon athlete from episode twenty-three. Yeah, so my favorite is a group called China Hive, and they do really good kind of technology and innovation. So if you're at all interested in like what's the startup scene like, or where's China Tech going, or Western Tech in China, these guys at China Hive、um, do a really really good job covering it. Jorge Lucio, the marketer for Sprite from episode five. Uh, honestly speaking, I get very, very、uh, educated, and I get a lot of information when I、um, talk with my media agencies and, and in general with my agencies. They they put us in contact with the latest trends and things that are happening in the social、uh, and digital landscape. So it's、uh, every time that I interact with, we, we do this periodically, and I get a lot of information and insights from them. Gigi Chang, the translator from episode twenty-four. I quite like Six Tone. It's an English language news website, but I think it it was a site started to give a different perspective on China、mm. beyond maybe sort of. 
grand politics mm. or economics. This is much more about people. Michael Z, the Instagram influencer from episode seven. Uh, so my favourite is Sixth Tone. Sixth Tone. Um, they are uh, Shanghai-based English language Chinese long read platform. You know, and they tell you how long they're gonna. You, you need to read them six to twenty minutes, and they're on all sorts of subjects. And the, the, I think one of their most read, but also one of my favourites, is uh, the history of hot water in China, and why do Chinese people drink hot water? It's a recent invention, really, since the revolution. Amazing. Yeah. Vivu, the fitness community leader from episode eight. I've been listening to a lot of China history podcasts. I know the one you mean. Yeah, so mm. that one I, I listened to, and then um, also Inside China. That's very a bit similar as well. So that yes. go, sort of goes through the history of, for instance, how the dumpling came about and that sort of thing. Oh wait, I don't think I know that one. Okay, yeah, I'll have so to check that there's out. There's not a lot of episodes, but that's quite a good one. Sabrina Chen, the dance program curator from episode 26. Uh, kind of, I rely on everything: um, WeChat, Weibo, official or unofficial media, uh, international website as well. Yeah. Lexi Comstock, the cookie supplier, from episode 20. Do you ever get this email? I'm on this newsletter thing called the China Skinny. No. So they just talk about trends in China. I think it's like a market, like you learn about the market. But they just have really interesting insights. And I think it's actually the only newsletter that I consistently read. And or if I don't have time to read it, I'll like save it and then and sit down with it. Yeah. So I actually, I genuinely, I think they're doing a great job. Tom Barker, The Diplomat from episode 25. So the media and the internet here is is a bit difficult. Um, I do like, there are quite a few places I do like. Um, I, I really like China Skinny for their economic reporting and these very interesting things that often aren't picked up on and they they're, just have a really fun approach to it. Lizanthea Taylor, the pain expert from episode 28. Um, I look at Smart Shanghai hmm. because then I know where not to go with all the other foreigners. Philippe Gass, the Disney Resort CEO from episode one. I tend to rely on many media sources, not just China, to kind of um, check on news and stuff. On my uh, phone, I use Xinhua News. That's the one I use the most, and I'm um, happy with that. Yang Yi, the broadcaster from episode 21. If a Chinese media, I think it's Haixin media is a bad choice. Uh, but it's, uh, it's in Chinese language. It's just a professional news because FT and Bloomberg in English world is still a very useful... Right, so it's like the equivalent of, of FT, right? Yeah, and I think the financial news is a good point in China to, you know, open a very small door for news. <laughs> yeah, well said. Uh-huh. And if you talk about English, uh, in my mind, I think foreign media for China is very useful because you have a freedom of speech. So you, could, you have an opportunity to cover a lot of issues that Chinese media can cover. But a lot of Western media surely have a stereotype on, China, on most of the Chinese issues. And I am a still editor and journalist. I know that feeling is 
Well, I have a storyline. I want to introduce someone to you know fill into that blank, and I think sometimes it depends on some stereotype. If they have opportunity to get some new discover, they don't want to go into that. It is oh, that's that's not my storyline. Yes, no, just, yes, because it doesn't fit the story that I want to write. Yeah, but I am a big fan for foreign media, actually. But I still find their Chinese coverage has some problem like that. So that's a little bit, you know, for me, it's very little bit combination. Yeah, <laughs> I like that, and I like that you you can look at Caixin and then you can look at foreign media, and then you can find that somewhere in between there is something called the truth.、Uh-huh. Angie Wu, the jewelry craftsman from episode eighteen. To be honest, like、um, I've been so busy the last five years、uh, with this brand, I don't follow news so much anymore. So I have to tell you that my best resource for news is my assistant. She loves news and she's reading all kind of news all the time. So she's the one who always like、uh, keep me updated of、uh, what's going on with the world, with China and everything. Yeah. Wow, that's a really useful resource to have. She、yes. she is indispensable, obviously. For sure. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. And as usual, you can see the accompanying images from today's episode on Mosaic of China on Instagram or Facebook, or hit me up on WeChat on my ID Oscar one o eight seven seven, and I'll add you to one of the listeners' groups there. The quick update since the last compilation episode was released is that I've decided that I'll be recording some of the interviews from season two remotely. So that I have a chance to interview those people who are still stuck outside of China, and yet get the season released on time. I'll only be going ahead with this for those people who have remained very closely connected to their regular lives in China, despite being locked out overseas. And luckily, this does describe most of the people I had been due to interview, but there will still be a few that I will need to switch out. I'll continue to keep you updated as we go through the final four of these compilation episodes over the next couple of months. Speaking of which, the next one will be on the topic of the things that our guests would and would not miss about China if they left, which is another way of asking them about what they think are the best and worst things about living here. That episode will be released at the end of July, so I will see you again then. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. My pleasure too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great to see you too. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you.